thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Hello, welcome to those of you in the room. Great to, to see you today and hello to you online who are watching directly from your living rooms or your gardens or wherever you are watching from today. You're really welcome. And today I'm carrying on our Summer of Freedom series, as Andy said, and we're in week four. And this is the first of three, a mini series on looking at the inner workings of freedom and asking, you know, are we really free? Are we really free to do what we want to do and, and I kind of remember that You're Free song um, but I'm an 80s kid I know I don't look it but I'm an 80s child and I, I'm quite proud of being an 80s child but I understand the point of the lyrics I understand the lyrics really well you know but what do we do when we hear a song like that and we just think I get it I really do get it but I just can't let go I just can't let this go I can't be free or I don't feel free because I just can't let go of this. I, I can't forgive someone for this. I can't let go of that experience. I, I can't, you know, be with that person anymore. I, I can't let go of how that, those feelings, how it makes me feel. Well, today I want to unpack the freedom we can feel and it's always available and always has been available, if I'm honest with you, through the power of forgiveness. And don't tune out in the room right now if you're thinking, I've heard a thousand messages on forgiveness. And don't switch off if you're online because you can afford to spend 30 minutes hearing one more that just might change your life today. And I don't know about you, but I get really inspired when I hear stories of forgiveness, about how people have offered forgiveness to somebody who, who has wounded them in some way. I don't know how many of you remember, or as old as I am, and remember Inniskilling? Do you remember the, the big bombing that was in Ireland, Inniskilling? And there was a father, wasn't there, who publicly forgave the people who planted the bomb. And he said, you know, he'd pray for them. And he also begged that no revenge would be taken. And he'd lost his daughter in that horrific experience. Then there were the Columbine shootings um, a number of years ago now, but recently on television was an amazing documentary where they, they interviewed the mom of, of one of the, the killers who committed that awful, awful crime. And the amazing thing was the friendship, the friendship that had struck up between her and the mom of one of the victims. And it was a beautiful picture of forgiveness, of how two people who never in, in, in a natural sense would have got together and had time together to form this amazing, amazing friendship. And we all love stories of forgiveness, don't we, when someone else is doing the forgiving. You know, we can all champion that on and go, yeah, we're right behind you. But it's when we have to do the forgiving, when I have to do the forgiving, that things can get a little more complicated. Forgiveness by others, forgiveness by you, fantastic, I'm all for it. Forgiveness by me, you just don't understand. We can all manufacture a reason today why it's okay for me not to forgive that person or that offence. And so the best place to, to turn to when we look at any topics like this has to be the Bible, has to be our starting point. And in Matthew 18, verses 21 to 22, it says this. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And some versions it says 70 times seven. Do you know what? I bet Peter's heart dropped like a stone when he heard Jesus' reply to his question. And why did he even say seven times? 
Well, seven is a divine number in the Bible. So forgiving seven times would have been seen to have been a really extreme thing. And never ask yourself this question. What would have happened if Jesus' answer to Peter had been yes? What if Jesus had said, yes, Peter, if you can get to seven times, that's amazing, mate. That'd be awesome. The problem with counting the number of times for forgiving is that we are still counting. What do I mean? I mean, what we are saying is this. By a number, I'm just waiting for the time when I can get my revenge on you. Because forgiveness then has a limit. So you do something to me once, okay. You do it to me twice, hmm. Fourth, third or fourth time, fifth time, I'm getting a bit annoyed now. I cannot wait for the seventh time you do it because the eighth time you do it, you're going to get everything from me that you've got coming from the eight times you've done that to me already. And we would do that. If there was a number on forgiveness, we would do that. And some of you may have already calculated that 70 times 7 is 490. And the problem here is that when we can read something like 70 times 7, it feels or we think it means like, like we're giving somebody a free pass to keep giving people the opportunity to keep wounding me. But what Jesus is really saying is this, and this is really important. We can limit a person's behaviour, but we can't limit our forgiveness. We can limit a person's behaviour, but we cannot limit our forgiveness. We can set boundaries around people and that is absolutely fine and fair to do, but we shouldn't set boundaries around our forgiveness. Have you ever tried to really forgive someone you really thought you had? You really thought you had, but then that memory comes up again. Oh, it's triggered by something and you find yourself just as angry, just as offended, just as wounded. And sometimes the wound can be just one huge thing, not loads of separate events. But C.S. Lewis said this, he said, to forgive for the moment is not that difficult. But to go on forgiving, to forgive the same offence again and again, every time it re-emerges in your memory, there's the real issue. There's the real tussle. And Jesus really understood this. Because forgiveness more often than not for many of us is a journey. It's like peeling back an onion and there are 70 times seven layers until it's done. And I know really well in my own life that forgiveness is, is not easy, but, but I can definitely make it much more difficult for myself and cause more problems than I had to start with. Well, what do I mean? Well, what are my other options if I choose not to forgive? What are our options if I choose not to forgive? Well, then I hold on to my bitterness and my anger. And an interesting thing here is, is that I can see the places in my own life, and you probably can in yours, where big and major wounds could lead me to a road of bitterness. That makes sense, doesn't it? But it's the seemingly small and insignificant things that can trip me up. And I want to take a bit of time this morning to look at this topic of bitterness because it's the one thing that will prevent me feeling free and you feeling free. And that's what we're choosing for ourselves if we don't let go. Basically, do we want to be bitter or better? Do I want to be bitter or better today? 
Well, bitterness has a deep and a dangerous root. And where do roots grow? Underground. It starts out as an underground job. And other people may look at you and they may not see it. If you look around the room this morning, if you're online and you're watching the somebody in the room, just look at them. They look pretty normal, don't they? You look pretty normal to me. But underground, what's going on? What's going on? Well, what do we know about roots? I know that roots absorb, roots store and roots grow. They absorb painful information. Okay, so they store the words that someone may have said about me or against me. And if left untended, that root will grow. 1 Corinthians 13 says this, that love keeps no record of wrongs. But what does the root of bitterness do? It keeps a very detailed record of wrongs. In fact, it becomes a box that I've picked up. And I happen to have my box of rocks with me today. And each, each rock in here represents something that's happened to me in my life or, or that people have thrown at me. So um, if you've really disappointed me and it's gutted me, your rock's in my box. If you've said something about me that's been untrue, you've slurred my character, it's in my box. If you've done something to me and I've experienced something that's really hurt me and wounded me, your rock is in my box. I'm not going to be vulnerable with you today. I'm going to share a couple of rocks out of my box, if that's okay. So this one, I know all of them. This one is the guy who knocked me over in a car when I was eight years old, outside of my house. I was crossing the road and he drove off. It was a hit and run. He never stopped. He never stopped. Huge, huge, big rock. But the bigger rock is my brother's reaction to that incident. Now, when you were at school, you had to do like um, weekend diaries, didn't you? You go to school on Monday, you go, what I've done over the weekend is this. Or when my brother left home for the first time, we were clearing out his wardrobe and we found all his diaries. And as a good sister, I read them, as you do. And, um, and in, in it was this, and this is the day I got knocked over. And I've let this go now, sometimes. But this is exactly what he wrote. I was playing football on the green opposite my house. I heard a loud screeching of brakes. I turned around, heard a huge bang, saw my sister go flying through the air, and then I scored a goal. That's what he wrote. That was in my box. That was in my box. And so every rock in there I've catalogued. Um, I know where it's come from, it's oranges, and I carry it around with me all of the time. Everywhere I go, that box goes with me. And you have a box too, if you're being honest. If you're being honest with me today, you have a box too. So how do you know if you have a root of bitterness growing? If someone hurts you and you can remember every word they said or every detail of that incident, I want to suggest to you that's quite a good indicator. That's quite a good indicator. And the second thing about bitterness is this, it has a poisonous fruit. If it goes unchecked, what was underground will eventually grow into fruit that everyone will see and hurts more people. The Greek word for defile is the word manio, and it means to stain, to pollute, to contaminate. And many of us would say, wouldn't we, that we have or have had in our past some kind of relationship that's been or stained with bitterness or polluted or contaminated with this poisonous fruit. 
So how do you know if your heart's growing bitter? I want to give you four stages that we go through really quickly about how you know if your heart is growing bitter. The first one is this. We easily see the bad in others. We pick them apart. Now, who do they think they are? What do they think they can do that for? What do that, you know, what, what, how can they get away with that? We pick them apart and we see the bad in others. And then we feel justified in criticising and gossiping about these people. We feel like it's our right to tell somebody else. Watch out for them. You're getting quite friendly with them. You shouldn't trust them, you know. They'll stab you in the back. Am I the only one that's ever done that? Then we go into this one. We secretly celebrate their misfortunes. We don't admit we do this, but we do, don't we? We go, when something goes wrong in their lives, we secretly go, yes, yes, I knew they had it coming. I cannot wait for them to... And we do it. We secretly celebrate their misfortunes. And then if we do that, the fourth thing happens. We then start to hurt people all around us. We create what I call dangerous and strategic alliances. This person hurt me, so I want you to know the whole truth. Why do I want you to know the whole truth? So that you will side with me, so that you will agree with me, that you will back me up. Come and join my team. That's what we do. And the truth is, I've done all of those things at one time or another. So how do I know that it's me, that I'm the one with the bitter root? Okay, so maybe when I'm rationalising my life, my thoughts and my behaviours, and I hear myself thinking or saying something like this, if you only knew what I'd been through, you would see that my situation is so different. If you knew what had happened to me, I agree with everything you're saying, Jane, but you'd think my situation was different. You'd think that I could handle it in a different way. You know, if that's you, if that's you watching online today, your eyes could, could be blinded to the fact that there's a root of bitterness growing in you. And you may need to peel away some layers of pride to see it. But do you know what? This could be your summer of freedom. This could be your summer of freedom. The longer you allow that root to grow, the more difficult it will be to kill. So how do we kill it? How do we kill it? Well, Ephesians 4, 31 to 32 gives us the answer. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So there are two ways. The first one is this. We can kill bitterness with compassion, which is often translated as tender-hearted. You see, the fruit starts with a cold and hardened heart, but compassion starts to thaw it. And if you've wounded me, I can guarantee that not only is your rock gun in my box, but that my heart is growing cold towards you. Hurt people hurt people. Do you know that? Hurt people hurt people. And when I see that person as a hurt person, it softens the edge of my anger. And then we kill bitterness with forgiveness. Now, if you're a Christian today, and if you'd say that you follow Jesus, let me tell you, forgiveness is not an elective course in Christianity. It's not optional. It's not optional. It's required. And we are to forgive others as God has forgiven you. And this is when you may say, but if you knew, Jane, 
If you just knew what happened in my life. But you know what? If you knew what happened in mine. So let's do some myth busting right now, today, about what forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not forgetting. When somebody said forgive and forget, I don't think that's possible. I don't think that's possible. I think it's possible to forgive, but you're never going to erase that memory out of my head. What it will do is you will remember, but that memory won't have the power that it used to have. The shadow that it casts will get shorter and shorter. Forgiveness is not excusing. We excuse people when we know they're not to blame. Like if you're in a restaurant and you'll go out for, for a carvery after this service or something and the waiter comes and he spills gravy on you. He spills gravy on you. You don't make him go through a process of forgiveness, do you? He doesn't go and go, oh, I'm re-. You don't do that. It was completely accidental. We can forgive only when we hold someone responsible for something. So it's not excusing. Forgiveness isn't things going back to the way they were before either. Do you know what? It's really nice when that happens, but it isn't always possible. And it might be years, or it may be never before that person is trusted again. Do you know what? It's a huge, huge myth that forgiveness means that there's no consequences at all. That's one of the biggest myths of all. And forgiveness is not the same as acceptance. I accept someone for who they are. I forgive them for what they do. I accept someone for who they are, but I forgive them for what they do. I can totally accept someone who's different from me. Totally. But I cannot accept the wrong you've done me and the wound it's caused. Because that doesn't need my acceptance. That needs my forgiveness. And forgiveness isn't the same as tolerance. I don't have to tolerate what people do when I forgive them for doing it. So, for example, my first day at school, along comes this bully and he steals my dinner money. Steals my dinner money. First day at school. And I might go home that night and I might forgive him for what he's done. But the next day, exactly the same happens. He steals my dinner money. Do I just let him keep doing it again and again until I get to the end of my school years and I'm suffering from malnutrition? Do I keep doing that? Well, obviously you see I didn't because you forgive the bully but you tell. You forgive the bully but you tell. I forgive what he's done but I do not tolerate the situation. Sometimes, and this is really important, sometimes you have to forgive and tell. And if there's something going on in your world right now in the room or something going on in your world and you're watching online and you really need to tell somebody, then I really, really want to encourage you to take that first step of opening up that conversation with somebody. Listen, you can forgive them, but you need to tell. And it isn't the same as restoration. Forgiveness is not the same as restoration. This, was, this bit's a bit like a... Um, a slap in the face with a wet fish, as my dad used to say. When I heard this the first time, I thought, that can't be right. But you know what it is? I am able to forgive somebody who is not the least bit sorry for what they've done. Do you know that? I can forgive them even if I don't trust them. It doesn't mean I put myself right back in a place where they can hurt me again. They're two different 
things. Forgiveness has no strings attached. But let me tell you, restoration frequently requires strings. Why? Because restoration is really harmful if the other person involved won't acknowledge what they've done and are honestly sorry. Forgiving someone, forgiving someone does not in itself qualify someone for anything or entitle them to anything from you at all. Do you know that? So what is this all about then? The word forgive is related to other words, just means to release, to let go, to set free. And a major part of what we do when we forgive is we let go. We let go of the past. We let go of the offence. We let go of the hurt. And then we can release. We release the offender. We release our anger. We release my desire or your desire to get even. And forgiveness in the Bible also means to cancel a debt. You see, forgiveness deals with the pain and the hurt associated with that memory. Instead of saying, you owe me, it allows me to be free from that pain and that hurt. And it's not giving in to the temptation to retaliate or take revenge. Remember my box of rocks. I'm not designed to throw them either. And how many times has someone taken a shot at me or a shot at you and instead of leaving it alone, we go to war over it. We go to war over it. And a week or a month later, we're battered and we're bruised from all of these rocks. The victim of a battle that if we're honest with each other this morning, if we're honest with each other, wasn't worth the grief it cost me. How did I get there? I threw a rock. I threw a rock. And why did God say in Luke 6, 27, 28, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who ill-treat you, because God knows I am not designed to pick up the rocks that get thrown at me, and I'm definitely not supposed to have a box to put them in. So when I cancel that debt, when I forgive, I'm giving up the right to get even. Now, this is where people get a bit antsy. We're surrendering though, aren't we, Jane? We're giving up. We just, you know, we're letting go. We're becoming the lesser thing. We're getting smaller. No, we're not because we're giving up our right to get even to God. To God. And Proverbs 20.22 says this, Do not say, I'll pay you back for this wrong. Wait for the Lord and he will deliver you. Why? Because forgiveness changes my status from victim to victor. I am the victim when someone hurts me. When I forgive, I'm saying this. I'm saying that that event is not going to dictate what happens to me for the rest of my life, or that event is not going to dictate how I'm going to respond to somebody else again. That is what happens. The truth is I have to forgive people whether they ask me for it or not. Remember Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Well, how quickly did Jesus forgive us? How quickly did Jesus forgive us? When Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them, who'd ask for it? Who'd asked for it? No one, not a person. 
He looked down from the cross, even at the people the Bible says that were casting lots or playing dice to win parts of his life and take it home with them. He forgave them. They didn't ask for it. They didn't want it. And they didn't even know they needed it. Jesus took the initiative and he forgave them in advance for everything that they were going to do. That's how quick it was. So how do we do it? How are we to forgive? To forgive, I have to be as honest with God as I've ever been. Don't say it's no big deal, because it is. Don't just try and put it out of your mind, because you won't be able to. Don't sweep it under the carpet, because they become big elephants in your room that we can all see anyway. This is the best advice I was ever given about forgiveness, years and years and years ago. And I've tried to apply this to everything that's happened in my life since that point. Three things that we need to do, and we need to do all three. Number one, you put a label on the wound. You name it. You name it. The second thing is, you name the person responsible for wounding you. And sometimes we think it's weird to do that, but you know what? Something amazing happens inside of us when we verbalise something and we hear it. That's why it's really good sometimes if you're reading the Bible to read it out loud because something happens when we hear the word of God, it gets activated and it starts to work. So we put a label on it, we name the person, but here's the third thing. We need to tell God all the consequences that happened as a result. All of the details, all the big stuff, all the small stuff, all the significant things, all the insignificant things. Why? Because if we don't do number three, I'm telling you, it's like mowing your lawn of dandelions at the stem and you look out the window and they've all gone. But what happens two days later? They're all back again because we've not got the root out. The seed is still there to let them flower again. Listen, forgiveness is not some cheap thing. It's not some cheap thing. And the truth is we all need a push or a prod to let stuff go. And what I need is the realisation that God has forgiven me a debt infinitely greater than any debt owed to me. Forgiveness is like passing on a cup of water from the ocean, the massive ocean of forgiveness that God has already given to me. Do you know, believe it or not, forgiveness isn't flowing out of me like an ever-flowing spring. I'm not the queen of forgiveness. It's not just flowing out of me willy-nilly. It comes from a higher source. It can only come from my experience of forgiveness. So there are two questions I want to leave us with today. And the first question is this. Are you a person that has experienced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ? Are you a person that has experienced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ? I don't just mean that you believe that God can forgive. I don't even mean that you believe that God, you know, sent Jesus to die for you. What I'm asking today is this. Let's try and forget what's been done to you just for a moment and put that to one side. That hurt or the anger that you may have felt or that wound that's come to your mind as I've been talking and that you even may have a right to feel the way that you do. And some of you may be listening to me online right now and you've never known God in this way. I need to tell you guys something really important. Some wounds in life are 
pointless. But some are absolutely essential. And when Jesus went to the cross and he deliberately let himself be wounded for me and for you, we never asked him to do that. And if you would say, either online or in the room today, that you don't know whether you've ever fully and completely asked Jesus to forgive you for everything, all that you've said, all that you've done, how about all you haven't said and all you've left undone? Do you know what? You can do that with me right now. And I'm going to invite you to pray with me in the room and online if you think and you feel that you've never fully experienced that forgiveness of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to pray right now. Thank you, Jesus, that on the cross you said, it is finished. You've done it. Forgiveness is complete. And you invite me today to come and live in that truth with you. And so I ask now, Jesus, for your forgiveness for the wrongs that I've done and the things that I've neglected, for the people I've hurt along the way and those that I haven't loved as you would have wanted me to. God, I receive that forgiveness right now and resolve in my heart that with your help, with your help, I will walk away from those choices and embrace everything I know about you to be true. And I choose today to live in your grace and your love and the power of your forgiveness. I want to experience that freedom right now. And so for those of us and those of you online that would, have, would say, you know, Jane, I've received that forgiveness. I totally know what it is to live in that relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to ask you this. Have you got a wound? Have you got a wound that God would say to you today? You should have set that down miles ago. You should have set that down miles ago. Even years ago. Is there a rock that you're still carrying today it's time to lay it down it's time to set it down and if you start that process today let me tell you you will be releasing yourself from the world's worst prison cell and experiencing the greatest freedom ever I know because I've experienced in my own life this process and if that's you today whether online or in the room I want you to think about something that God may have brought to mind while I've been talking. And it will have been there. And I want you to pray with me. And I'm going to leave a gap for you to put that person's name in or that experience. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and bring freedom and to start that journey of forgiveness that you weren't maybe expecting when you came in today. So would you pray with me? Lord, I bring to mind, and I want you to name that person or name that experience. 
Lord, I bring to mind and I bring them before you. And I feel hurt by them. I feel wounded by them. And right now I confess my negative feelings about them to you. And I want to start the process of forgiving the wrongs they've done to me. For any deliberate or intentional things that have caused me pain in the best way, I know how to today. I release them to you and I choose to forgive. Thank you that as I'm praying right now, you're releasing me and you're freeing me to live free from resentment and bitterness. Fill me with your joy and your love again, I pray. Amen. And if you're watching online and you want some further help with that and you feel you want to start that process and that journey, the Say One For Me invitational um, slide will come up for you right now on your screen and just engage with Life Central Church. Contact us and we'd love to pray for you in this area. Because remember, forgiveness is a gift. Not just one we give to somebody else. It's a gift we give to ourselves to find freedom. And 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3 and 4 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us all in our troubles so that so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And as Stuart reminded us last week, God will not waste our wounds. He will not waste your wounds. If we let Him comfort us and let, then let Him use us to comfort others with that comfort we've received. And if you feel you need prayer this morning, as Andy said, there's a team that would love to pray for you through those doors. And I want to invite you as we come to sing our last song together, Take advantage of the fact that for the first time since March 2020, you can leave your seat and go and receive some prayer. I really want to encourage you to do that. Let that be your first steps to freedom. And I want to leave you with this last quote. It says this, The miracle of forgiveness is the creation of a new beginning. It does not deny the past injury. It merely refuses to let it stand in the way of a new start. And as we come to sing our last song together and invite you to go and be prayed for, I want to pray for us one more time. Because you don't need to carry those rocks around anymore. In fact, you don't even need the box to put them in. We just need to lay them at the feet of Jesus. And so Father, I want to thank you for your freedom. I want to thank you that the power of your freedom is the same today as it was 2,000 years ago. That it hasn't grown less that it hasn't diminished over time. And that Father, what you did on that cross, when you looked down and you said, Father, forgive them, we can receive that right now. And I thank you for that journey that we're on with you. There are gonna be things that happen in the future that we're gonna to have to go through this process with. But Father, if there are things that we need to be dealing with you right now, I pray that we'd have the courage and the bravery to begin that journey with you. Holy Spirit, would you help us? Would you help us to give up whatever rights we feel to you so that we can have freedom? So if you need prayer, I'd invite you just to go out as we stand and sing. 
But for the rest of us, let's go. Let's let go and let's be free to walk in the power of forgiveness. Thanks, Dad.